You're welcome today as we continue the study of Paul's epistle to the church at Ephesus. This is one of the greatest books in the Bible, full of meaning and purpose for you and me. Following the 1967 Israeli-Arab conflict, Israel occupied the great Sinai Desert. Immediately, the well-trained, industrious Jews began surveying the desert. They discovered that below the surface of the Sinai are great reservoirs of water, enough to supply the entire wide, dry region of that great desert with millions of gallons of water for at least the next 50 years. The water is not salty, but drinkable. Scientists believe that water has been there for thousands of years. And yet, through the centuries, many have died in the agony of thirst because they were cut off from the spry of water in that arid place. You recall that when Moses led the children of Israel in the wilderness, they too became thirsty. Sin has turned the world into a wilderness. Multitudes are thirsty, thirsty for the reality of God's power and love. Just beneath the facade, God has provided a great reservoir in his son, Jesus Christ. Underneath are the everlasting arms of our eternal God. Recall that Jesus shouted to the crowds, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. For the scriptures declare that the rivers of living water shall flow from the inmost being of anyone who believes in me. And let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. In the first chapter, following the opening of Paul's doxology, there is a prayer for knowledge. Hear this great prayer for God's power, the power of God's spirit, and the power of God's love. Please do not miss the thrust of these doctrinal chapters. You will recall in chapter 1 how the triune God works out the plan of salvation. Paul concludes that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. In chapter 2, Paul describes how man comes to experience this salvation and how this transformation 
breaks down all barriers, forging men into one great family. Now, therefore, you are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God, Paul writes. This people of God is, is described as a spiritual temple or a building where God dwells. Chapter 2, verse 19, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are builded together for habitation of God through the Spirit. You see, the burden of Paul's heart at this point is that God's people, the spiritual temple, will know the fullness of Christ with all of his power and love in their lives. It is the purpose of God not only that we come into the right position, but also that there be a practical possession of Christ. God wants to give us not only salvation, but also sanctification. That's what Paul means as he opens his prayer for this cause. The apostle identifies himself as the prisoner of Jesus Christ for you Gentiles. Indeed, Paul was a prisoner in a Roman dungeon at the time that he wrote this letter. That which obsessed him was not so much that the Romans had taken him prisoner, but that Jesus Christ had. His life was committed to accomplishing God's purpose among the Gentiles. No sooner had Paul begun his prayer than he interrupts it by a long digression about his special ministry. It is an explanatory parenthesis which Paul felt was necessary for his readers to fully appreciate the prayer that he was offering for them. And so this long parenthesis, begun in verse 2, is concluded in verse 13. And so in Ephesians 3, we find that the purpose of God in Christ is accomplished as this living Christ indwells the members of the church. Here Paul is praying that the power of this living Christ will be appropriated in the lives of these Christian believers in Ephesus. And so let's look, first of all, at the manner in which Paul prayed or the great passion with which he prayed. 
It was indeed with great concern. For in verse 11, according to his eternal purpose, which he accomplished in Christ Jesus, our Lord, in him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. And so Paul says, I'm bowing my knees unto the Father. The customary posture for prayer among the Jews was standing. The great concern and deep emotion in Paul's heart caused him to prostrate himself before God. A position that suggests utter submission and dependence. Prayer can be made to God sitting, standing, or lying down. But when something grips or stirs one, he is brought to his knees to pray. In verses 14 through 16, we find that he prays with great courage under the Father of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. God is referred to as Father of the Lord Jesus, not just any God, but the true God who has revealed himself in his Son, Jesus Christ. The statement, whole family, does not refer to the entire human race, but to the company of the redeemed in Jesus Christ. And he prays, we see, with great confidence that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory. Paul's prayer is based on the riches of the glory or the fullness of his divine holiness found in Christ. Paul was not hesitant to pray that because he knew that God does not give grudgingly or meagerly, but according to the measure of his infinite fullness and love. Recall how Jesus prayed. Recall how Paul prayed. And how do you pray? Oh, that makes the difference in our lives and ministry as to how seriously and devotedly and believingly do we pray to God Almighty. In the second place, look at the petitions for which Paul prayed. This great prayer petitions God for his power and love to fill the people of God. He says, I have great sorrow and increasing anguish in my heart to be strengthened with might by his spirit 
in the inner man. In order to understand this, let's look at man, his need and capacity. Man is a body, soul, and spirit. Man's spirit is a place for God's spirit to flow out to others. Paul knew the weakness of the flesh and the mortality of his body. But also he knew the power of God's spirit flowing within. Through our outward man, it may perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day is the promise of God. Look at Romans 7, 18 and the following. Through the Holy Spirit, the inner man is renewed and delivered from the slavery of sin, and he imparts that new life, strengthening power to you and me. Some years ago, I visited Solomon's quarries beneath Jerusalem, where huge blocks of stone had been blasted from solid rock before the days of dynamite. The guide explained that this tremendous power had been exerted by a small wooden peg driven in the holes. The wooden pegs were soaked in water, and as they swelled, they were able to break asunder the rocks in which they had been driven. As water filled the pieces of wood, it gave new power, and that power came to break and to crush the stone. So is the ministry of the Holy Spirit in us. New power comes in. And that which before was impossible is accomplished through the, the power of him that raised Christ from the dead. When Ari Torrey presented his message, Why God Used D.L. Moody, he concluded, Moody was definitely endued with power from on high, one day he was walking up Wall Street in New York, and in the midst of the bustle and hurry, his prayer for fullness was suddenly answered. The power he might have that God needed to use. And so he went to a neighbor and there found a room to himself. And in that room, he stayed alone for hours, and the Holy Spirit came upon him, filling him with joy. And at last, God was asked to stay his hand, lest he die from the very spot on which he had such joy. Moody went out from that place with the power of the Holy Spirit, upon him. 
And that made a difference in his life and ministry. Watchman Nee once pointed out that the problem in the Lord filling us with his spirit is the inner man is in resistance and our souls will not let go. The outer man must be broken, you see, before God can completely fill him. The alabaster box had to be broken before the anointment could be poured on the feet of Jesus. In John 12, we read, except the grain of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abides alone. But if it die, it bears much fruit. You see, the hard shell of the outside of the grain of wheat must be split open before the wheat will come alive and grow. And for most people, this process of brokenness is gradual. For some, it may be sudden. Usually it takes the Lord several years working on us before he can accomplish this work of destruction. The timing is in his hand. We cannot shorten the time, though we can certainly prolong it. In some lives, the Lord is able to accomplish his work after a few years. In others, it is evident that after many years, his work is still unfinished. I remember in my own life, back in the 90s, how that there had come a coldness and lack of effectiveness in my ministry. I was with the staff in a retreat in a motel in Daytona Beach. The staff sensed that there was a great spiritual need in my life. After a night of prayer by some of the staff people, hands were laid on me. And then it was that Paul Hubbard, our singles pastor, opened the scriptures and read to me verses about a new thing that God would do. And in that day, God did a new thing in my life. And there was a fresh feeling and a fresh insight and a fresh life to serve the Lord. And my friend, no matter who you are or where you are, that can take place in your heart and life today if you are broken, if your will is surrendered, if your life is open to the leadership and ministry of the Holy Spirit. May this be the hour of a new step in obedience and service for the Lord Jesus. And our God, we pray that you will take the words of Paul, this portion of God-given truth, and burn it in the hearts and lives of people and bring them, God, to this great need 
of the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And if there are those who have listened and who do not know you as personal Savior and Lord, help them right now to repent, to turn from their sin, and to accept the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. And Lord Jesus, we pray in your name that this will be done. In Christ our Lord, we pray. Amen. And if today you have made a decision, write us or call us, and we'll be happy to respond to your need. Have a great day. Amen.